Hello, and welcome to another episode of Setting the Tone, the ER Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and joining me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 3, Episode 9, which is titled Ask Me No Questions, I'll Tell You No Lies. The episode aired on December 12, 1996. Lauren, what was going on that week 24 years ago? Major League Baseball owners officially approve interleague play, allowing teams like the Cubs and the White Sox to face off against each other in the regular season for the first time ever. Is that a big deal, Lizzie? Should I I care about that? It's, I would say, in addition to the Cubs and Sox, it allows the Yankees and the Mets to play during the regular season, which is another, obviously, two big franchises, and... Yeah, it was it was a big deal then. It's not it's less yeah. of a big deal now because they've re uh, aligned both leagues so much that they now do interleague play all season long. Like it used to be like a it used to be like a two or three week period in like mid June they would do um, interleague play, but now it's because of the number of teams and stuff. There's like there's interleague play going on almost every day of the schedule. All right, cool. Um, Just another way to play the game. Hall of Fame hockey player Wayne Gretzky becomes the first and so far only person to eclipse 3,000 career points. The next highest amount by any player is just under 2,000. As a Michigan native, I at least know who Wayne Gretzky is. I grew up during the during this period for the Red Wings being on point. Um, Alanis Morissette takes the Top Artist Award at the 7th Annual Billboard Music Awards. They were only going on for seven years at this point. Yeah. They only started in 89. So says my research. That's crazy. Um, NASA successfully launches the Pathfinder Lander and Sojourner Rover towards Mars aboard a Delta II booster rocket. It would take seven months for the unmanned rocket to reach the Red Planet. Yeah, it would take a further 19 years for the Pathfinder to save Matt Damon. (laughs) <laughs> I love that movie. I can't even be mad at that joke. Um, actress Haley Steinfeld. Steinfeld? Steinfeld. 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 Actress Haley Steinfeld was born on December 11th. 101 Dalmatians is the number one movie at the box office. And No Diggity is No More as Unbreak My Heart by Tony Braxton claims the mantle of number one song. Now, this is the live action 101 Dalmatians, right? Like I, didn't, I did not look Close. into it. In 96, I, I, I believe so, because I think the original was in, like, the 60s, the cartoon. That's, yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, this seems really late for 101 Dalmatians. So, yeah, that must that makes sense. Must be the one where Glenn yep. Close is. It's the live action. All right. Well, uh, as far as what else was on that night, uh, at 8 p.m., friends checked in with the one where Rachel quits. Uh, not the show, just her job. Uh, at 8.30, the single guy has the deepest cut. At 9, uh, Seinfeld checked in with a rerun because we are coming off of Thanksgiving break and Seinfeld took one extra week. So uh, when you when you got Seinfeld money, you can afford not to work an extra week. <laughs> uh, and then at 9.30, suddenly Susan uh, checks in with, was it something I said? And this week we've got 32.9 million viewers tuning in, down just a little bit uh, from, actually down a, a, a decent chunk from last week. Last week we were at 37 uh, million and we've dropped down to 32.9 this week so i guess there's at least five million susan lewis fans out there that mm. uh, checked out after last week's episode uh but they'll be back uh this week's episode is directed by first-time director paris barclay this is his first of three episodes that he would do over the course of the series uh over the next couple of years i think his last one is in 2000 um he has done a ton of other television directing you've probably seen at least one episode of something he's directed um, but ones that he did a lot of episodes of include nypd blue sons of anarchy csi and glee 
what uh, an this odd, week. what an odd little. It's a yeah. it's a very eclectic uh, collection of um, shows. Uh, he did one show, uh, the HBO show called In Treatment. Mm, uh, okay. Which like I watched some of, but like it's kind of an exhausting show to watch because a it's about therapy, and b it was a show that had a new episode every night of the week. So what the like, fuck? Yeah, yeah, I. I enjoyed it from, like, the pieces I've seen. Like, obviously, we watched it for, like, psych class and stuff every once mm-hmm. in a while in college. And I've I've watched it a little bit on my own, but I've never actually, like, binged the whole series. We sat down and tried to when we first got HBO at the time, HBO Now. And, uh, like, I think we made it probably about 20 or 30 episodes into it before we were just kind of burnt out on it. Like, mm-hmm. there's so many episodes. But uh, in any event, this week's episode is written by the trio of Neil Bear doing his eighth of 18 episodes. Uh, others that we've uh, talked about of his include Ghosts, Match Game, and Hell in High Water. Lydia Woodward, also very familiar to us, her 11th out of 27 episodes. Uh, others we've talked about of hers include Let the Games Begin and Take These Broken Wings. And uh, Barbara Hall doing her only uh, one and only episode of the series that she wrote. Uh, but she is uh, another kind of prolific television producer slash writer. Uh, she worked on shows like Judging Amy, Homeland, Joan of Arcadia, and she was the creator of the series Madam Secretary. My sister and I were big into Judging Amy after school. She wrote a ton of those. Was so. that a TNT thing. classic? It sure is. <laughs> as, as we talked about in our group chat this week, I think TNT is responsible for our exposure to most mediocre 90s television yeah. Hey, and ER. That's which Andy, is excellent ER. 90s television. <laughs> was ER aired on TNT? At yeah, some point? For had, a time. They had, yeah. yeah, they had the syndication rights for a little while there. I did not know that. Today I learned. Um, so we go into the episode with our previously on ER, stated by An- Anthony Edwards. I think this is his first time. Yeah, I think we're previously. still in the first time around for everyone. Yep. And the episode truly starts with Benton doing a visualization for his upcoming surgery and Shirley is in the background distracting him with cooking instructions under her breath as she's prepping the um, the surgical suite. And he's like, Sir- Shirley, stop it. It's a very, very sweet moment between the two of them. He actually, correction, he actually name checks her as Gina, which <gasps> makes no sense because the actress's name is not Gina. And as we've established, the character's name is not Gina. So I don't know right. why he calls her Gina, but he does. Um so a little little slip up there by uh, by Benton, but I also found when I was researching, trying to figure, I was trying to, to double check and make sure, like, is her is the actress's name uh, Gina? It's not. It's Dinah. Uh, but uh, she wrote an article for the L.A. Times um, right around the time the show was ending, two thousand nine, um, and it was a really fascinating article about uh, like what it was like to be on a show like this as just a background person, like somebody mm-hmm. somebody who rarely gets to speak and like but how much the show still meant to her and like how uh, she didn't think it meant that much to her. But then she went to the rap party and was like emotional. And, you know, it was a, it was a very interesting read. So I'm going to link it in our uh, Facebook group on, uh, on Facebook. If you haven't already join us in the official setting the tone community on Facebook uh, and read all about Shirley's experience on the show. But I am right. That is the actress who plays Shirley. That, that yes. Says yeah. This, oh, right? no, yeah. Okay. It's, it is Shirley. Yeah. All that. All, it was it was totally a screw up by Benton uh, calling her the wrong name. I don't know where he got Gina from. But OK. I just wanted to make sure that I hadn't just like smoked a no, whole bunch no. of dope and missed that. Um, and then we find out Carter is late to surgery and he shows up just in time to set up for Dr. Keaton. And it's very sweet. Um, 
Benton had mentioned that he doesn't know her glove size, so how can he set up for her? And Carter's like, seven, no powder. <laughs> like, on time. Perfect. Like, duh, of course. And also, while I'm thinking about it, I would like to make a small correction from our sort of, like, wrap-up of the episode last week. Susan comes back in season eight. Season eight, episode two, not season nine. So From the corrections department. Yes, from my own self-correction department. Because <laughs> for some reason, like, I didn't mention it, but, like, I had my entire time while I was thinking of last week's episode. I was like, God... That's how they leave off with with Susan and uh, Mark before he dies. Spoiler alert! But <laughs> but no 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 that's not I'm I'm an idiot. But obviously it's it doesn't become anywhere near the will they won't they that this first run had because obviously you know married has a kid has another kid rather a little so, different. Yeah. <sighs> the most lovely British woman on the face of this earth. Um, but anyway, back to this episode. Carol is studying for her physics exam at uh, Doc Magoo's. It's her midterm, and it's half of her grade, which fuck classes that do this. Honest to God. Like, that's... Ugh. As someone, as someone who has gotten an education degree, I cannot imagine a world where this is any in any way, shape, or form healthy for your students to... To put this much pressure on one test. Like, holy shit. I think I had a test stress dream after watching this episode last night. <laughs> oh, yeah, because this is going to be Carol's through a line throughout the entire episode. is her just, like, background studying for a bunch of stuff, which being helped in the sweetest way by Doug, which we'll get to a little bit later. Um, but her her best friend slash, uh, slash lab partner, William, is there with her. And she has to go to work, so he eats the rest of her breakfast. <laughs> It's the most important meal of the day. That's right. Uh, so then we go from there back to the ER where we see Doug examining the board and mentions flu season is coming up, um, both in the show and in real life. Get your flu shots, kids. Um, and this is going to be kind of a, a nice little subplot throughout the episode. Like not a mm-hmm. not a um, not one that we really focus on too much. But if you're paying attention to the background, you'll uh, see that this is a a nice little subplot. I like that they do this. Like this is not something they did very often weaving a story in behind the scenes, but I, I enjoy it. This one gave me a good chuckle for sure. Yeah. Uh, but in less, uh, <laughs> less lighthearted stuff, uh, Gant is swamped today in the ER and that'll also be a recurring theme. And boy, boy, howdy are they telegraphing Gant's, uh, future real hard. But, uh, like I said, we will, we will definitely see more and more of that throughout the course of this episode. And then finally, we have Mark getting ready for a staff meeting, one that he himself called, much to Doug and everyone else's surprise. I don't think Green's one to call a staff meeting, apparently. Nope. He's been kind of a passive attending so far. Hope everyone's ready for sad boy Mark. Cool. He's in uh, this episode. Whiny bitch baby Mark. Yes. Um, but then we have Benton going over some surgical procedures and prognoses with Carter as they are scrubbing in. So you can tell he's really taken a lot of Dr. Keaton's direction to heart and is really actually trying to visualize and pay attention and give critical thought to each surgery instead of just assuming he knows everything. So little growth moment, very sweet between the two of them, just actually like treating each other as equals and bouncing ideas off. Um, and then we see Lydia and Connie are coming in, and Lydia's jokingly complaining that she needs time off for her honeymoon. Unlikely, but still very cute. Um, and Carol has is gets to sit in on her first re-engineering committee meeting today. Oh boy. Basically them deciding what the fuck they actually want to do with the nurses, based on 
Yeah, any number that, of criteria. Doesn't that sound like the most corporate doublespeak horseshit ever? The re-engineering committee. It's the the hack and slash committee. The other the other one that's very popular is town halls. Ew. That's that's a big corporate speak one that I've had at the past two companies that I've been in is when it's big like all company meetings they're town halls. Is that what is that what those meetings are where it's just your, no one else is talking but your CEO and maybe a couple of other people? Yep. And y'all have to sit on Zoom for an hour and a half. And okay, that was not a town hall meeting. That was a celebrating work anniversaries meeting. But yes, I do have a town hall meeting coming up that will be exactly that. R.I.P. Lauren. Uh, but for now we go. <laughs> For now, we go back over to uh, Peter and Dr. Keaton. They're actually doing the surgery, and they're doing it laparoscopically, which is always cool to see. I think it's just such a cool concept, like actually like doing minimal incisions and just poking around with tools in there and cameras, and I don't know. It's cool, uh, but it's really gross seeing the intestines on screen <laughs> that, we, that we do. But uh, Peter is in top form answering all the questions that Dr. Keaton throws his way right and, you know, just generally being his best self um but it's not meant to be because peter gets pulled away by morgan starting to do a surgery that he's not at all prepped for because someone's wife because someone called off because their wife was in labor so he has to go repair a perforated ulcer and carter takes over the camera control that benton was working on is it just me or we have or have we seen a gradual increase of morgan's during this season i feel like we didn't see him a lot in season two and then i feel like the past few episodes we've just gotten Quite a bit of Morgan Stern. Yeah, he's. I want. I'm trying to remember now when it is he leaves because he's not like Hicks. He actually gets an exit. Yeah. But, uh, I can't remember when exactly that is. I I don't think it's this season. Um, but yeah, his appearances his appearances fluctuate. They they're sometimes real they're real hot on him sometimes. Then other times they forget he exists. So. Uh, which actually, uh, spoilers for a future bonus episode, I've been reading a lot about, uh, I've been reading this book about, um, it's two ER doctors uh, actually analyzing the first two seasons of the show, um, and I want to do an episode about it over on Patreon, and uh, one of the things that they talk about in the early stages of the book is Morgan Stern and how he is a relic of the fact that Michael Crichton wrote this in the 70s and how by the time uh the 90s had come around the idea of a morgan stern was relatively outdated and so that's they think that that's they they suppose you know in the book that that is why morgan stern is less of a he he seems like a square peg in a round hole kind of where they they don't really seem to always know what to do with morgan stern Mm. on the show and that seems to be uh, because his position is something of a holdover from the the era in which michael Crichton wrote it so that might help to explain it a little bit. Okay. But Neat. like I said, we'll, we'll cover that more in depth as soon as I can finish reading that book. Uh, <laughs> so we go from there to uh, Mark's staff meeting and he's got a new brand new shiny schedule, uh, all color coded and everything, including a Dr. Sanders is mentioned. We have uh, Dr. Exposition alert, uh, another doctor who we will never meet or see. Uh, but Dr. Sanders is mentioned. Uh, we also hear from Carrie that uh, she doesn't want anybody eating or drinking uh, at the desk anymore because somebody spilled, I think she says guava juice on mm-hmm. her labs, mm-hmm. which is uh, gross. Uh, <laughs> and I think, is it, am I right in assuming that as they're leaving, it's implied that the guava juice was e-rays? 
Yeah, because E Ray walks in and he's like, "Oh no, what did I miss?" <laughs> and I think it's Randy who's like, "No, no liquids at the admit desk. Somebody spilled guava juice." And E Ray's like, "Oh no." Yeah, it he- heavily implied that it was E Ray. Spoilers guava for juice. our audio in about thirty seconds here. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Um, and then the only other thing about this scene, there's some weird handheld camera work during this scene, kind of like shaky. Not, I, I hesitate to call it shaky cam, but it's definitely like it's a uh, a big departure from the steady cam that we're used to out in the uh, the main ER. Which, if we can just eject shaky cam camera work into the sun, yep, yeah, my li- my life would be so much better. It's not my favorite. <laughs> Makes me want to vomit. Yeah, uh, but for now we get just after that scene. Uh, Doug is trying to call, is starting to call Mark out on some of his shit that's already coming up. So let's listen to their conversation. Did I miss something? You're not the one missing something. Oh, it's going to be a long day. I wonder who drinks guava juice. Uh, Mark, wait up. Not now, Doug. The chart was very nice, very colorful. Uh, freestanding liquids. Don't start. Do you go on the lower board? Well, what if there's, you know, spilling liquids everywhere? That's not what I meant. Your heart is broken and you're overreacting. No, I'm not. I'm doing my job, okay? The last few months I've been distracted, had other things on my mind. That's right. And despite everything that's going on with Susan, you're still getting the job done. No, I'm not. I'm letting Carrie Weaver do my job, and that's going to stop. I'm the senior attending. It's time for me to take control. So you're going to step back up, so to speak. That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Everything else okay? Everything else is fine. All right. You ever want to talk? Everything else is fine. Doug is really the best version of himself in this episode. I was going to say, I, I'm going to be honest, I had a lot of weird episode thoughts last night after I went to bed because I was thinking last night that we've kind of done a 180 with this, with how much we are going to shit on Mark compared to how much we shit on season one, Doug. It's true. Like, it just feels like the two of them have kind of almost inverted as far as their emotional awareness goes. Freaky Friday this episode. Yeah. So it feels like we just handled a lot only to just now go in with our bangs. But we go in with some bangs. And then Doug is complaining at the admit desk that he's had four flu cases this morning and asks everyone when they're getting their shots. Randy in the background says that she takes garlic supplements. This will be important for that through line that we're talking about, kids. Everybody else is like, yep, done it. Um, And then a 54-year-old male is brought in. He is going to be our first trauma of the episode, and Carrie takes it. And she calls out for what sounds like Dr. Dave, which is weird because, you know, eventually that'll end up being Malucci. uh, But we are way too early for Malucci. So aren't we like three seasons away from Malucci? I I almost thought she said Gant. She, I rewound it twice just okay. to go back and listen, and she de- she definitely doesn't say uh, Gant. She may have said doc. She may have said something other than Doctor Dave, but Doctor Dave was as close as I could get to. Uh, I might have just I might have just filled Gant in because everybody's asking for him so much this episode. Sure, that- but yeah, so uh, we we go back to the admit desk where Mark is uh, going over the board again, telling Doug that he needs to start taking on some adult patients. And I couldn't help but notice, uh, you know, the the gift of HD and 60-inch televisions. I was able to pause and take a look and see if there were any funny names or any funny, you know, diagnoses on the board. Um, And the only one that stuck out was right in kind of the general area where Mark is writing. Uh, there's a, a listing there for Curtin 2B for a last name Gentile, which I assume is a reference to Lance Gentile, who's one of the producers slash director slash writers. And the uh, reason for the visit is hemorrhoids. And I just thought that was funny. So 
I imagine there's probably a, a lot of that stuff that they figured would never show up on a standard definition TV. So <laughs> I always try to like pause and look for it whenever I can. We go from there to Jeannie's first patient of the episode, really her main patient for the episode, uh, working on a patient uh, who's got complaining of leg pain, likely as a complication of sickle cell anemia. Uh, she's in a great deal of pain, and uh, Jeannie orders her some morphine. So this is going to be kind of Jeannie's main through-line patient for the episode. And let me tell you right off the top, goddamn Gloria Rubin is back on the menu, boys, in this episode. Like, we haven't had one in a good in a good two or three episodes, but... Uh, Gloria Rubin is back in a big bad way this episode and I can't wait in case you've forgotten that that woman can fucking act her ass off nice big reminder this episode Uh, but for now we go back up to uh, the we go back up to the surgical floor Benton and Morgan Stern are chatting while closing up in that ulcer surgery so let's listen to them simple patch closure should do here so what did I uh, pull you away from Meckles goodness Baptism by fire. I was holding my own. Still. It's tough, isn't it? What do you mean? Well, you've chosen the most difficult elective. Many are called, but few are chosen. Did Keaton say something? Retract, please. Uh, I mean, did she say how I was doing? If you're concerned, you should ask her. No, no, I'm not concerned. I just, you know, look. All of my procedures haven't been perfection, but Keaton knows I could have handled that, Meckles. Man's reach should exceed his grasp, else what's a heaven for? Browning. It was Keats. Ah, well, they're all a bunch of hopheads anyway. Peter, what are you doing? Oh. Give me a broader scope there. Good. How late are you on, Dr. Carter? Late, not late. Seven? Um, big plans? No. Well, uh, maybe. Just dinner, eating. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of Indian food myself. Indian food? You got a problem, Cheryl? You got a problem with Indian food? Oh, I'm sure she doesn't do you, Shirley. Good for the sinuses. It's that spice they use. What, hold still, please? Good. Maybe I'll just order in and rent a movie. My VCR's broken. Which is probably why I'm not going to uh, myself. Rent a movie, that is, tonight. So maybe you'll just eat and call it a day? Yeah, that's probably what I should do. Just study. Prep for tomorrow. Cumin. What? That's the spice, cumin. Oh. We get it. You're fucking. <laughs> Carter is so dumb. And the whole time, um, Peter is distracted watching Carter and Abby through the, like, surgical suite windows. To, like, be like, oh, I could be in that surgery. But just, Jesus Christ, Carter, have some fucking chill. He's, I mean, I know we've said it many times before, but I don't, I, I don't think it can be overstated how goddamn funny Noah Wiley can be when when given the opportunity like he does and this isn't really his usual like usually he's doing the physical stuff but this is where he's confined to a very small space to work in and still manages and can't even really emote other than his eyes and yet still manages to pull it off and be really funny you got a problem with indian food no one should indian food's delicious and uh cumin is not an exclusive spice to indian food by the way it goes great on steaks try it it'll change your life 
And it's also in most chilies that anybody makes ever. Like, if I was singing Indian food, I would think, like, turmeric. Yeah. I don't know, but now I really want Indian food. Sorry, kiddo. I know, I gotta cook tonight. Yeah. Um, so then we go, oh, no. Um, hey. Mark is sent to examine Al Boulay. And he's like, oh, any relation to Jeannie Boulay? How long have you been positive? And it turns out that Mark didn't know that Jeannie's husband was positive. He didn't know any of this personal life stuff. And Al is in because he's having trouble breathing, so he's getting admitted to medical. And Mark's just like, oh, you know, when did you get separated? How long have you been sick? What's going on? Like, he's putting the pieces together, and Mark's an absolute shithead and handles this terribly, and St. Mark is forever dead to me after this episode. (laughs) And I am not going to defend Mark in the slightest this episode, but I will criticize Al because maybe you should have thought of that. I understand. Like, I know it comes, I know it comes up, him and Jeannie talk about it later in an audio clip that we have, but like, maybe you shouldn't go to the hospital where the folks don't know that you're what that your wife is also hiv positive and go and potentially be cared for by her boss yeah like oh mm. what a al just what a mess have what? a little more tact and respect your and respect your wife's wishes have a little more tact. excuse me now ex-wife they're divorced they are now officially Ooh, divorced which man lightning fast on that i mean he just gave her the papers last episode and they're already like the divorce already came like i know people who have been in divorce proceedings for like years to be fair he wasn't putting up a fight for any assets yeah seemed like it seemed like it was pretty simple true but as far as divorces go i've never been divorced so i wouldn't know how simple or complicated they can be well let me tell (laughs) you as a child of divorce who boy they can get messy on that happy note, let's go over to that nurse admin meeting, shall we? More fun than divorce proceedings. The new float system seems to be working well across the board. ER and ICU both had a few adjustment problems, but altogether, I would say things are settling down. From where risk management sits, we're fine. Incident reports haven't increased since the new rotation started. Can you give us an idea of how long this floating's going to last? Indefinitely, Carol. This is not a Band-Aid. It's the cure. It's being negotiated into the new contracts? Uh, Financial Affairs is ever so pleased with this temporary fix, but we still need to cut non-physician-related care. Meaning the nurses? Honestly speaking, nurses simply don't generate the revenue. And what about saving lives? They don't tend to do that either. Uh, uh, Hold on a minute, Dean. You're just talking statistics, aren't you, Dean? Averages, numbers, whatever you want to call it. I think you're calling it nurses. And in the ER, nurses are in trauma situations every day. It's only going to hurt an emergent patient to have some floor nurse set up the wrong lavage kit. You want a lawsuit over that one? But Carol, that's why we're all here, to help iron out these problems before your contract's up. Now, have you got a suggestion? Stop floating them. ER nurses are not interchangeable. They work differently, they work longer, and the stakes are higher. So we should show them preferential treatment? We should show emergent patients preferential treatment by giving them nurses trained in handling crises. So what do we say to peds or OBGYN when they complain? You tell them it's like triage. Critical cases come first. Way to go, Carol. Way to stick up for your nurses. Also, just all of that corporate bullshit that's getting thrown around. Have I mentioned how much I hate the medical system for, in this 
for in not this country. a corporate hospital, which is interesting. Yeah. Like it's it's a mm. county hospital. Like it's I mean, I get they still have bills to pay and stuff, but like it's not like it's a, a corporation owning it. But Right. It's not like they have shareholders to respond to with like profit margins and everything. It's I'm a taxpayer. I'm their shareholder. <laughs> I mean, there are people who think like that and think why do our county hospitals Ugh. spend so much money? But God. Like, there is there is really no good answer for where budgets should be trimmed for shit like this. Yeah. If nobody's going to win. Let me let me just say this. If your answer to you not getting your way in some situation, be it from a public servant or at a retail establishment is I pay your salary. Get fucked. <laughs> <sighs> On that note, uh, <laughs> we go from there down to Mark and Jeannie uh, having a discussion in the little drug closet and. Mark pretty much just kind of comes right out and, you know, in, insinuates that uh, she, if she hasn't been tested, she needs to get tested. Uh, or if she did get tested, what was the result? And so he says, I guess you didn't feel any need to get tested. And Jeannie doubles down. She says, I did. I got negative. And then kind of scurries off. Um, yeah. I I don't blame Mark. I mean, I, I, um, no, let me rephrase that. I don't, uh, I, I, I don't, I, was, we're, <laughs> I don't, we're about to fight. <laughs> I don't defend anything Mark is doing in this episode in any way. Okay. Like Mark is completely in the wrong this entire episode. Um, but Jeannie also doesn't do herself any favors and hasn't the whole time, but she has also a right to be, uh, uh she has a reason to be fearful. So, you know, it's, she's in a tough spot too. So, you know, uh, we, we go from there to Doug examining an elderly woman with chest pain who has a bucket of medications in front of her that she has brought with her that she doesn't seem to know what every single one of them is for. Uh, and he's just kind of overwhelmed by the medication. I've had this happen to me on a much smaller scale as a personal trainer, like had people who would come in because we would encourage people to bring any medications they have with them so we could document it. Uh, and I've had this exact situation happen where people just dump a bag of drugs on my desk and like, here you go. Like, and what is this one for? I don't know. They just tell me to take it. Okay. (laughs) (sighs) So yeah, but I mean, I had a similar situation earlier this week when I saw my physical or last week when I saw my physical therapist for the first time. I just I just handed her my Walgreens app because <laughs> I couldn't remember the names of half the stuff. At least that's, I mean, that's a little bit more concisely, you know, organized. This, instead of I've literally had a grocery bag of drugs plop down on my desk in front of me with no la- like no dosage. Like <gasps> how I mean, Jesus. not well. Okay, they had like their labels and stuff on it. It wasn't like they were just bringing in like empty or uh, blank pill bottles or anything like that. But they didn't tell me like. I take this one because I'm not a doctor. Like as a personal trainer, I'm not interested. Mostly I'm just interested in what the drugs are treating. Like I want to know, do you have heart issues? Do you have, you know, low, uh, high blood pressure? Do you have uh, low blood sugar? Like that kind of thing. Like I, I want to know like what kinds of things you're being treated for. The specific medications don't interest me that much, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's always fun trying to sift through that pile. Then uh, Mark, continuing his shit-ass crusade, uh, (laughs) goes over to talk to Carrie about Jeannie and asks if Jeannie had mentioned anything to Carrie about the whole situation. And Carrie, being the good friend that she is, covers for her and says that we should take Jeannie's word for it if she says she tested negative. And Mark's getting all up in her shit, like, "How how are you not concerned about this? What the hell is wrong with you? And Carrie claps back, 
It is a lack of alarm, not a lack of concern. There's a difference. Yeah, and the other thing is him going to Carrie, it's like, okay, if Jeannie is potentially HIV positive and she didn't talk to anybody else about it, now you're just spreading her shit all over the hospital with this. Loose lips sink ship there, Mark. <laughs> Not professional, my dude. As, Not cool. As bad as Mark is this episode, it, as bad as Mark is this episode, that's how good Carrie is this episode, though. Yep. Like, yeah. Carrie is in top form this episode. Agreed. Um, and then we go over to Morgan Stern and Benton finishing up their surgery. And as they're stapling their patient up, Morgan Stern is telling some long-winded golf story and finally they're done and benton just rushes out of the room like he wants to go and see what else is going on he wants to get on a more beneficial surgery um and then mark gives randy attitude for not updating the board and she is just like i can't remember what she says but he had asked her for something else and that's what she had prioritized so she claps back at him for that. And then we also notice here that she is rubbing her nose like it's stuffy or runny and she starts coughing and she has resisted a flu shot, as we mentioned earlier. So, hmm. <laughs> this is almost like one of those backstories that you would see on like Community with Abed. Right. Like it's it's just in the background. And if you're not paying attention to it, you're going to miss it. And I, I really like it. Uh, so then we go from there to the elevator where we see Carter and Dr. Keaton uh, discussing their torrid affair and we find out that she's leaving for pakistan soon which is why she's interested in the indian food uh she's going to be going there to teach pediatric surgical techniques and carter's like weirdly frustrated and like is it going to be three months is it going to be six months whatever like dude it doesn't matter like you y'all have been hooking up for like a week and as you mentioned she's your boss's boss do you really think this relationship has long-term potential and she basically says as much like dude do you would you rather have this weird conversation now in an elevator or would you rather just keep hooking up for the next few weeks until i leave and right. so she's like he's like oh okay, okay. <laughs> and i love how she mentioned something about anspa and he, he's like oh were you sleeping with him too <laughs> it's carter's such a he's very insecure <laughs> like but yeah, this is the, I think, and I do think this is how she ends up leaving and mm -hmm. like, they've already like set it up. So, so we only have two more episodes with her Yep. after this leaves on episode 11. Um, but at least we know she won't get bobbed. She hasn't established reason why she, she hasn't established reason why she'll, why she would leave. She'll be in the goodbyes segment in the wrap up, not the bobs. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, Mark continuing his shitty crusade, uh, to dig up information that he doesn't have a right to uh goes up to the medical records floor god damn it mark uh he goes up and he's trying to convince the clerk to see genie's file now the clerk doesn't know that genie's an employee there obviously but um but the clerk is doing his job and being like no if, if it's if you're trying to find file this under a spousal report you're allowed to tell the other spouse. You're not allowed to check their medical records. Like, Mark does the guilty, like, come on, I'm trying to prevent, like, a public health crisis here. I'm trying to... I don't think he's, t I don't think he's telling her or, or whatever. I need, to make I need to make sure that everyone's safe. That she's been tested. Yeah, and the dude eventually, the dude eventually relents, which, bad job, dude. But, um... We just leave, we don't, we just leave off with the, with the computer searching for her file. Fuck you, Mark. Agreed. Not a good look. Uh, 
not a good look. And then we have Carol is bitching about the committee meeting to Doug and just how she's just so frustrated about how they want to cut corners and get rid of the nurses and all that stuff. Um, we have Mark hunting Weaver down because he's got words for her. And as Mark's looking for Weaver, a woman pulls him aside and is like, I have, I've been waiting for two hours and I have a luncheon soon. And if I don't get my B12 shot, I might as well not even have my job. And Mark just says, hey, so-and-so, I think it's Gant. He goes, hey, Gant, uh, t- give this woman a B12 shot. Doesn't examine her, doesn't, doesn't do any triage or admit. It's just like, hey, give her a B12 shot. So not only is he being a really unprofessional administrator, he's also being a really unprofessional doctor here. Um, also, and then we see- also, why is she in the ER? Like, why, uh, why is she in the ER just to get a B12 shot? Like, as a vitamin. Why are you, like, go to your regular doctor. <laughs> who knows maybe she thought she could get it quick done before her lunch um quick in an emergency room do not go together <laughs> she doesn't look like the kind of person who regulars er or is a regular to er's that often fair enough that wasn't words you knew what i meant um and then we have doug is examining a little girl and she is so funny she must have an ear infection or something because she's complaining about an earache and he's checking her out and everything and she's like can't you just give me the amoxicillin i have a play date and um she like names off four other uh what are they called oh my gosh yes four other antibiotics that he could give her instead and he's just like well you just know everything don't you do you know the property of blah 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 pointedly aimed at carol um so clearly he's helping her study as they handle patients together which was very sweet i really liked this interaction and then we cut back from there to Jeannie's sickle cell patient who's asking for more pain meds. And uh, Jeannie tells her that she can't uh, call, she can't uh, order more pain meds without a uh, attending's approval. So she's uh, off to find Mark to uh, get that approval. And then as she runs into him, she's like, hey, you know, I have this patient. She needs, but she's like business as usual. Mark, on the other hand, yeah. is like, uh, I'm going to need you to go cover the waiting room, dog. I'm going to take over from here. And Jeannie, to her credit, I think smokes out exactly what's going on right away. Uh, yep. Despite his best efforts to make it seem like it's a totally casual request that he would like her to go cover the waiting room. So, uh, yeah, we are headed for a collision with these two. Uh, but for now, we go back up to the surgical floor. Uh, we have a little conversation between Dr. Keaton and Dr. Carter. So, what kind of movie do you want to get? I was thinking maybe a comedy or maybe a comedy. Forget it. Tonight you're going to participate in a long-standing Carter family tradition. Sounds painful. Every year at exactly this time, the intrepid Carter male goes into the woods. And he picks out the perfect Douglas fir tree, and with his own strong Protestant hands, he cuts it down. We're going to cut down a tree. Not just any tree, the Carter family Christmas tree. Oh, I do not saw after hours. Don't worry, that's my job. Oh, Dr. Benton, how is the ulcer? Uh, oh, fine. Uh, look, I saw the thyroglossal duct on the board and I was hoping to assist. I haven't had a lot of experience with neck surgery and, you know, considering that I was called out of the Meckles. Well, sorry, I already called in Wallace to assist. Yeah, but is there any possibility of rescheduling considering everything that I... Mm, there'll be plenty of other opportunities, Peter, really. Carter, don't you have something to do? No, actually, I'm all caught up. What about post-op notes? They're on the charts. I'm done. Carter, not taking the hint. <laughs> or benton just trying to do his normal i'm not getting my way carter go get fucked (laughs) time to torture carter again yeah i feel vulnerable 
And except this time, it ain't working, bitch. I also just love when he's talking about cutting on the Christmas tree with our strong Protestant hands. Yeah. Just, okay, Carter, you're a dork. This is the whitest Carter has ever been, this conversation. And I appreciate it. So, okay, so based on this and based on the, la- the, the last scene, do we think Dr. Keaton knows the Carter's loaded? I mean, she must suspect. Yeah, I mean, just to have as much, uh, like land like real estate as he does to have like a full forest behind there that it's legal for him to cut a tree down on she has to she has to suspect something yeah i don't know it's just one of those things that dr carter typically isn't forth super forthcoming with it's true yeah then we have we see mark walking down walking like towards the stairwell and he looks over and carrie and Jeannie are talking hush hush against a wall we can't hear what they're saying, but it's very clear they're talking about what Mark's been doing. And Mark looks at them from the stairwell and then keeps walking. But <laughs> it looks like Lurch he, going up the stairs. Yeah. Like. He clearly knows there's some co-conspirators going against his shit crusade, as Lizzie has put it. Um, and then it's so funny after that, Doug tries to pawn a patient on Carter, but immediately Carol's like, nope, I paged him. He needs to help with Gant's workload. And Carter just hands Doug the chart right back. So then we go from there uh, to Jeannie confronting Al this time uh, for just what Lizzie was talking about at the top of the episode for coming to County because Mark now knows she's positive. At least that's what she is aware of at this point. Um, And this is really strong work by both uh, Gloria Rubin and uh, Michael Beach here, uh, Al Boulay. Like this is strong work, probably Al's strongest work to date. Uh, And, just you know another day at the office for gloria rubin but um al says to her you know living with aids is that's nothing but knowing that i gave it to you there's no pill for that and as he says that he's you know tearing up and everything it's just really strong work from both of them like i i enjoy i enjoyed their interaction here quite a bit i mean not from an emotional standpoint it's very upsetting but they're just doing really good work here and uh the confrontations about genie's condition continue uh but and we have some audio for you. This time it's Carrie and Mark. But first, the nurses have some comments about the new board. I don't see Weaver as yellow. I see her more in the red family. Yeah, something in burnt sienna. Lavender's too pastel for Doyle. She's more like an eggplant. Mm-hmm. Are you redecorating my board? Just a little constructive criticism. Mark, I need to speak with you. All right, be in a second. Oh, wait outside. What the hell are you doing? Uh, funny I was to ask you the same question. Why is Jeannie checking vital signs when we're swamped? Patient safety. She is not a health risk. Oh, maybe you know that, but I haven't had the opportunity to assess her condition. Why didn't you tell me that you treated her husband? I didn't think it was relevant. You lied to me. It wasn't any of your business. If someone in my ER is HIV positive, I think it's my business. Hey, it's our ER, and you don't even know if she's HIV positive. The hell I don't. I checked with medical records. You went into her confidential file? I wouldn't have had to if you would have told me the truth. Yeah, nice try, Mark, but there's no excuse for what you did, and you know it. I love that he's screaming about it in the ambulance bay where everybody can hear him. Yeah. It's not like regular EMTs or sometimes nurses aren't, like, taking a break out there. But go Mama Bear Carrie. She's so good. I I I love her. Yeah. Mm. Oh, it's just... I just want anytime something happens to me that is wrong, I just want Carrie to come and go to bat for me in the world. That would just be great. Um, anything else on that clip? No, just fucking Laura Ennis also bringing it this episode. Yeah. 
I really appreciate how they have her handle Jeannie's storyline. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, and it's because it, a lot of it's a through line too. Like, it's one right. it's one that they don't drop. Like, Carrie and Jeannie are kind of indelibly linked for the entirety right. of the rest of Jeannie's run on the show, and I yeah, I love that. Because a lot of people talk about how Carrie can be two-faced and incredibly, like, power-hungry, but here she so has Jeannie's back that I I don't see it. But I know later seasons she makes some questionable choices. Um, but then we have Carter goes to try and help Gant out, offers to take some of his charts, and Gant just says, no, I don't want your help because it's going to look like I'm not pulling my weight. I need to handle this myself. Hmm... Gant is the one that's having a very normal one this episode. <laughs> uh, and Mark's crusade continues, but this time he is going up to Anspa. Mm. And Anspa, rightfully so, is not pleased at all with the way that Mark is handling this bullshit. Not Go, Donald. <laughs> not for the right reasons, though. Like yeah, he's, he's more worried about covering the ass of the administration yeah. and not opening them up to a lawsuit. But you know, but you know, you don't just go blustering around like Mark is doing, being like HIV, 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 HIV. Yeah, I, I get the impression though that from the tone of his response, that if the shoe was on the other foot and you know Oddspot was in green spot, he'd be doing the same thing. Like, yeah. he seems to he seems to condone the spirit of Mark's actions while condemning the way in which he's going about it, which yeah. is still wrong. But but, you know, Mark in just truly shitty fashion tries to throw Carrie under the bus, too. Like and Carrie he, Weaver's in on it. Yeah. And he and Nonspa's like, I want you to be equally as discreet as she's been. You know, we'll we'll handle this. You know, keep your goddamn mouth shut. <laughs> keep your pants on baldy yeah do not oh, say let her do her jo- let her do her job otherwise we're gonna get the pants suit off of us <sighs> so then we go from there to our i i guess you could call this our comic relief of the episode uh doug going into a room full of kids that picked up a sick bat on a hike and passed it around uh and their their little like teacher group leader whatever you want to call it uh threw it out of the car window uh on their their drive back um really not much to this uh whole thing the only thing of note that i was able to pull out of this is that one of the bat kids and i'm not even sure which one it is to be perfectly honest with you uh, <laughs> bat kids. Yeah, one of the bat kids um grew up to be corbin blue who is a name I've at least heard and I know is a famous person, but it's like I'm reaching that age now where I don't necessarily know why every person whose name I'm familiar with is famous. Uh, um, uh, high School Musical. Yeah. So he, he was in several of the High School Musical films as well as Galaxy Quest and Mystery Men, two of my favorite under underrated films. He was in Mystery Men? He was in Mystery Men. I was not able to place his role in Mystery Men. In Galaxy Quest, he plays young Tommy Weber. So when they do the uh, flashback to the original Galaxy Quest show, and they show uh, oh. Loreno driving the, the spaceship, the little kid, that's this kid. Hmm. Okay. Who was he in Mystery Men? Yeah, it wasn't. Maybe he was one of those random <gasps> people that come he, through. Could he have? Tryouts? He he would have been the right age to maybe be William H Macy's son. I think he. Does William H Macy have a black kid? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. His, I haven't seen that his, movie his, in years, so. <laughs> yeah. His his wife in that movie is black. So. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. 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 
then yeah, that, so that could have been possible. Yeah, that makes sense. Because it would have been around this time. Yeah, ninety nine. Yeah. Anyway, what happens next? Can we watch Mystery Men for William H Macy? Yeah, I thought that was already on the list. I don't know. I can't keep track of what's on our hypothetical list say, anymore. But I need to watch the, that movie. Doesn't help that yeah, the list isn't is, written down anywhere. <laughs> yeah. No, I have a I have a Google Doc with some with some stuff written out, but hopefully hopefully more of those to come. Hopefully we're actually we should actually get back on that train and the after the first of the year. Yep. After folks. the holidays. Patreon.com slash signing the tone podcast. Uh, then we get a memo comes in that says the ER nurses will not be involved in the float schedule. Everybody celebrates. Everyone is happy. Um, a 10-year-old male is brought in because he tried to swallow a sword like a circus performer since his dad had taken him to the circus. Bruh. The kids aren't all right, fam. Um, Benton is still trying to hop on Keaton's other surgeries, and she just is like, dude, slow your roll. It's a marathon, not a sprint. You have five years. Like, calm down. You'll be fine. And then we find out it looks like the 10-year-old kid perfed his esophagus, and Carrie wants to scope him. Mark doesn't see the point. Catfighting ensues. Yeah. But yeah, Carrie and Mark during this whole during this whole trauma are just absolutely, like... Catty. Passive-aggressive assholes to, to each other. Mark more so than Carrie. Carrie's just like, no, I want to confirm the diagnosis before we get, get other folks involved. So, he's never... Because you never know what it could be. Uh, but then uh, Jeannie calls up to the records to ask see if anyone has inquired on her file today, and they confirm that someone has. Dun, dun, dun. Fuck you. Fuck you, Mark. She's also... Yeah, just, oh, around noon. She's also in a, a little section of the ER that we don't really get to see that often, that little side desk that's, like, off mm-hmm. to the side yeah. of the uh, admit desk area. It's the, it's the spot where, if you go back and watch the pilot, it's where the little Avengers Assemble moment happens, where... Uh, they uh, Green leans back in his rolly chair, and Benton's leaning against the wall with his cup of coffee when they meet Carter for the first time. It's, I think that's in that same general area uh, as where this little desk is. So we go from there to uh, back to the trauma where Benton has showed up, uh, and he's none too happy to find Carter there instead of Gant. And Carol jumps to his defense, says that she's the one that paged Carter, and Mark shittily chimes in. They're Peter's interns. It's his decision. Cause he really, Fuck you, Mark. cause he really fucking sucks this episode. In case you haven't snuffed it out, uh, and Lauren, do you want to give us an update on Film Watch twenty twenty? Oh, whose films are those? Those they did not have time to scan that kid for <laughs> X rays. That did not make sense. Uh, uh, you just got to get me to say it, don't you? I mean, you know, it, like you said, it's what you're here for. So we go from there back to our uh, Bat Kids, where we see Doug giving everyone uh, rabies shots, and turns out that the troop leader needs one too, and it seems like what they're hinting at here is that he's a little woozy about shots, and the kids seem very excited about the prospect of watching their teacher get a shot. So um, this is kind of where we leave this this one. It's Like I said, it's a little kind of comedic relief detour uh, that doesn't really, doesn't do much. Uh, and then... Carol uh, Carol goes to give some good news to Mark and Mark immediately bites her head off and starts going off on her before even she even has a chance to speak. And she's like, what the fuck, dude? I just wanted to give you some good news that our nurses will not be removed from the ER. I thought you could use a win today. <laughs> bites her head off and then keeps chomping down the torso when she's just like, no, we're good. Yeah. And Benton gets his wish uh, to do some more pediatric surgery today as him and Dr. Keaton are working on... Sword Swallow Boy. <laughs> and 
<laughs> man. I couldn't get his name. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. That's that's an, it's an that, app descriptor. That is in fact, yeah, I'll say that is in fact what he did, and he is a boy. So, um, but Benton says he's cons- Benton. He's he tries to very slyly. He's trying to get feedback on himself. So he's like, oh, how's Carter doing? I'm concerned about Carter. Oh yeah, Carter, bro. Just ask her how you're doing. Really? Come on. Uh, also, probably not the best time to be talking about stuff like that while you're in the middle, like dealing with someone's neck, well, dealing with a small child's neck. You know, there's a lot of nerves and shit in there that can get fucked up. <laughs> Trust me, I know. Having had a fucked up neck. Um, and then from there, Carol and Doug are visiting the Roach Coach, and Carol goes, "What are we gonna do about Mark?" And Doug says, "Put him on a plane or have him killed." <laughs> Line of the episode. And then um, Carol's like, well, ask him what's going on. Like, be there for him. And Doug goes, you know, I've already asked him twice. She goes, all right, bro code. Or like, dude code or whatever. You can't ask him a third time. God forbid you communicate. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I'll be there for him when he's ready to open up. And Carol goes, well, at that point, will he have any friends left? Like, brings up a good point. Like, he's being a dick. This is 1996. If you're a man and you ask your friend three times if they're okay, it means you're gay. Jesus Christ. This is just. This is. I don't make the rules. This is. Thank God Uh, we're past that. But uh, here it is, folks. Jeannie and Mark have their confrontation over what's. Over the shenanigans that Mark has been pulling. Didn't you get more morphine? He said he would, but he never came back. Dr. Green? I don't even remember. Please, I really can't take this anymore. I know. Okay. Jeannie, what are you doing in here? I told you to handle triage. Can I speak to you? I am treating a patient that you've neglected. Do you have any idea how much pain she is in? Yeah, when I assign you to an area, that's where you go. Oh, is that how it works? You make the rules. Yeah, that's how it works. And you get to break them by going into my file. I requested that information under the spousal report law. (laughs) That's a lot of crap, Mark. You wanted to know, and you found out. It was completely unethical. Oh, you want to talk about ethics? How about you lying to me? What? I guess the truth is out now, huh? You should have come to me from the beginning. Why? So I can lose my job sooner? No, so I could have dealt with the situation appropriately. No, it's better this way. You know about me, and I know a hell of a lot more about you. Excuse me, I have to attend to a patient. All right, that was the line of the episode. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Genie, genie throwing heaters today. Whew. God they damn. love it. Gloria Rubin. Rage 100% justified. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. This is mm, just, I mean, what more can you say? Like, she's just, she's been killing, yeah. she's been on her A game this entire season, but like, it's amazing to me how she still manages to raise the bar on it every time. Like, when you think it's like, she can't pull it she can't pull it up to any higher than she has now then she does it like it's just amazing uh but we go back uh again if you're paying close attention to the background you will now see randy wrapped in a blanket sneezing all over the place so her descent into the flu continues uh we see carol leaving for the day she is off to her midterm and uh but on the way out all the nurses invite her out to happy hour uh to celebrate their getting off of the float rotation uh, but she's like, no, I got to go. I have to, I think she says, I'm, I'm, I have an appointment because uh, mm-hmm. remember, it's still a big secret that Carol's even thinking about medical school. So 
And then we, we go to the lounge where Carter uh, encounters Gant just kind of staring off into space. And, you know, he tries to apologize for, you know, getting him in hot water with Benton. He's like, they paged me and I came down. Sorry, I didn't know it was going to get you in trouble. And Gant just kind of very blankly, again, staring off into space says, you know, you helping in the ER is only going to make things worse for me. So the normal one continues for Gant and... Again, they are telegraphing his end so hard, and it's mm-hmm. very upsetting to watch in real time. And our next audio is up for you. We have uh, Jeannie being a little less confrontational with Al, being a little more sympathetic. Anything good? Just surfing. Done for the day? Almost. Al, about this afternoon. Hey, uh, hey. No, it's okay. No, I'm sorry that I jumped to conclusions. It's just, I get up every morning thinking... What's going to happen today? How's this going to get worse? What else am I going to do to ruin your life? No. Yeah. Maybe. I do want to blame you. I know things happen. They happen for no good reason. I see it every day. But when it's happening to you, you want it to be somebody's fault. I haven't told anybody at work. Still play poker on Tuesdays, shoot hoops on Saturdays. Some of the guys I could tell, some I couldn't. But, uh, none of them would ever treat me the same again. You don't deserve Neither do you. Just, I I don't have anything. They're, they both just do it so well. Yeah, it's really hard to talk about these just because, like, they their performances speak for themselves. Yep, they're both bringing it real hard this episode. And the only thing I don't like about it is be, is that I know where it goes. And I, I don't like that... <sighs> I don't like that her despair over her uh, situation leads her to start sympathizing with him. <laughs> like... He's definitely still the guy who did this to you, so keep yeah. keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah, and I want to note, when she first walks into the room, by the TV there's a sign that says, it only hurts if you don't have it, PAP test. They love their all cap signs in the 90s, don't they? And uh, right into our last audio of the episode, uh, Doug, again, trying to reach out to Mark. Does this does this violate the rules now, officially? He does it kind of <laughs> subtly, I think okay. we're okay. <laughs> Almost gay, not quite. <laughs> okay. So what's the store for tonight? The usual? Karate class, a couple of laps around the track. Actually, my goal is to stay awake to the 10 o'clock news. <sighs> How's Susan's apartment working out? I don't know why I was so worried about where I was going to live. I'm never there. <sighs> Look, I'm sorry. Today I was, uh... What was I today? Uh, uh, uh vicious, humorless, pain in the ass. Yeah. All right, thanks. You want to talk? I want to sleep. Look, it's... Nothing's the same. You notice that? I mean, it's just not fun in there anymore. It was fun once. You know what I mean. Sometimes, it's just, I'm up to my ears in administrative problems. Carrie Weaver and I are constantly butting heads. And it's just like, oh, the whole staff is lying to me. I used to think of this as a family, you know? Didn't it, didn't it feel like that? Well, you gotta remember, my idea of a family's a little screwed up. But Mark, it's okay to miss her. No. It's more than that. 
Well, I think whatever you do, you should keep it separate. My mom, she used to work at this office, and she never put a picture of me out. And I asked her why. And she said, never confuse where you work with where you live. Well, your mom didn't work in the ER. I just shared with you a very profound childhood moment. <laughs> OK, I'm sorry. It's moving, <laughs> and your mother is a very wise woman. Thank you very much. I'm proud. Look, I can't face going home to another frozen dinner. Do you want to get a burger or I something? I can't, and I got this thing I got to do. But if you want to talk later, you know where I'll be. No, I don't know where you are. Well, at home, after 10, alone. They're just, this is, this is a great moment between the two of them. It's a good reminder that, that Mark's not always like this. Right. And that they are best friends. Like, I wasn't I just bitching about this, like, two episodes ago, how all of the friendships, like, Mark and Doug and Mark and Susan were just totally jacked up lately, and this is so good to see them, like, actually just being equals and being friends again. But I also... I also have to share the little bit of bleak humor I found in this. When when Doug says, never confuse where you work with where you live, what if it's both because you've been working from home for the past six months? <laughs> Thanks, COVID. Uh, seven months, sorry. Almost gonna, eight. I was going to say, isn't it? Yeah, seven months now. By, the, by the time the thing is, re- by the time this episode's released, I will have been working from home for about eight months. <sighs> and into next year. We do not have a confirmed date when I will be back in the office yet. Which is for the best. Yes. Health-wise, but... but- <laughs> But still, I also like uh, Doug's uh, implication that he'll be home in time to watch his own show. Like he's like, I'll be ho- I'll be home at ten <laughs> Thursdays at ten on NBC. I love it. I don't have a good idea what a real family is. Why are you asking me? Uh, excuse you, Daniel. Uh, it's Thursdays at nine in Chicago. Uh, well, this this meme was made by the Eastern Time Gang. So <laughs> <laughs> you say as someone who also lives in Central. Yeah, but time. I'm. Uh, Eastern time, born and bred. Thank you very much. Same. Okay. Okay. Same. Okay. Okay. All y'all just suck. It's fine. <laughs> adjusting to Central was one of the weirdest things about moving to live <laughs> try, here. Try just... try adjusting to fucking Alaska time. Good God. No thanks. Four I'm hours good. behind the East Coast. Um. So then we go from there to Carter uh, waiting in his waiting in his trusty Jeep. There's the Jeep again. Uh, for Dr. Keaton to wrap up talking to somebody, and as he's doing so, Dr. Benton decides to show up and finally wants to give him the feedback that he has been just so thirsty for for the last three plus like two and a quarter seasons he's desperately been seeking benton's approval and he's finally going to get it but unfortunately he's waiting for his secret girlfriend to show up so he's trying to balance his like childlike joy over finally getting noticed by senpai and the terror of <laughs> his relationship being discovered so he's it's so mm. again i know we say it a lot that noah wiley is good but noah wiley and eric lasalle matched up together where eric lasalle gets to play straight man to carter's buffoon is my favorite thing and i love it so so much i also love carter's janky zip down jeep windows like the impracticality of it adds so much to this scene where he has to zip up frantically and zip down it's mm. well i mean it's it's no better or worse than frantically doing the the manual true but there's something pathetic about the zipper like it's the floppy it's the floppiness yeah there's something pathetic about the zipper window that just really puts the like the salt right on top of it i just love it it's so good and hey carter can afford automatic windows he sure could model allows it thank you very much but he doesn't he just likes jeeps 
He does just like Jeeps. It's part of his it's part of his rut rugged image isn't like one of like those like uh hubcap covers it's jeep jeep is a way of life or something some dumb shit like that some I dumb white no people shit like that about. i don't know it's it's a thing are you talking about the spare tire covers that go over the back of the yeah. jeeps yeah they, that's not a hubcap you know what yeah, i but meant yeah I, I know what lizzie's talking about they they do sort of it's one of those it's one of those types of cars where if you drive it it becomes your identity it's like a hummer yeah or... Which they seem they seem so impractical. Like I, when I see them with like the no doors and stuff, yeah. I'm like, how are those roads safe? I don't know. I don't know. But I also love how Abby gets in the car and is like, no, I, I right. saw him. I slowed I, to a. I slowed. I love that too, where it, it's it it balances everything so perfectly. You get to see a little bit of growth from from Peter. You get to see Carter act like a buffoon, which is always good, and you get to retain the Abby mystique, where she's always in control. And is always the smartest yeah. person in the room, no matter what. And I love it. Yep. It's really good. And then we have Carrie pulls Jeannie aside and she says, you know, it's going to remain confidential. You don't have to worry about that. We are looking into it, but we're going to keep our mouths shut. And um, we find out Carrie and Mark are going to meet with Anspa about hospital policy for this sort of thing. And then just very sweetly, she's like, you know... The aroma coming from the cafeteria isn't too foul. Do you want to go grab a bite to eat? So, like, she's looking out for Jeannie. She's got her back. Then we go from there to uh, Doug waiting outside of uh, Carol's college for her to uh, check and see how she did on the exam. And uh, she comes out. She's very surprised to see him there. And he's like, well, I studied. Like, I helped you study for this. Like, we're in this together. And so he starts to... What I what I read it as is like he starts to go down shitty Doug Road again, where he's like, "You've earned yourself a night of drinking and probably like, the way I read it was like, and probably ending up back at my place kind of thing." But William also comes out and kind of cuts him off and asks about ice cream, and Doug gets a chance for a little bit of redemption, where he's like, "Yeah, let's go out for ice cream." See, I don't necessarily think it that way. I think drinks are just Doug's default. For, like, yeah. friend time, because he, he offers the same to Mark sometimes. They're yeah. just like, let's go get some beers. Like It's not like you can, it's not like you can, she probably already had dinner. Right. So. Because right. it's 10 at night. Yeah, so I would, I I did not read that into Doug slipping back into a shitty way. So. I've been too busy focusing how much of a shit heel Mark is this episode <laughs> to think poorly of Doug this Fair episode. Enough. So I was choosing to give him the benefit he, he of the deserves, doubt. But you're also He deserves right. one episode where we don't give with, him any shit. With with yeah. Doug's history, it is also feasible that he could have been, you know... He could have been eh, tempted by his... His, uh, his wily yes. ways. But I also think he cares about Carol enough at this point and with what they've been through that he maybe wouldn't. Yeah, I like I like how we are sort of very subtly and, and, and in a slow burn kind of way, uh, we're planting the seeds for Doug and Carol again. Like, mm-hmm. they're, they're letting it take its time and, and marinate and not forcing it, and I really like that. Isn't it amazing how things can develop when you just let that hey, happen? You know, uh, this is also the last appearance of William. So, bye, William. Mm. Aww. But it's only at the midterm. I guess, I guess he's he's so he he nailed that that midterm so hard they just passed him on to physics, whatever comes after physics. One. I guess. Uh, and then we get our final scene of the. I almost said final season of the episode. <laughs> what the uh, fuck? <laughs> um, then we get our final scene of the episode. The aforementioned. Uh, tree cutting expedition with Carter's Protestant hands. <laughs> uh, so him and Dr. Keaton are 
out in the are out in the woods and Carter tells Dr. Gideon that they are on his family's land after she questions the legality of what they were doing. Uh, and he can points out the he points out the lights that are in the distance. Oh yeah, that's my family's house. And she does not want to meet his 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 parents. And apparently she has a lumberjack fantasy. So some time for some smoochies in the snow. Very cute. As, I'm gonna turn you into a little snowman. Yeah, as as Carter finds the perfect Christmas tree. She takes a hell of a of a fall uh flopping into what I assume is fake snow. She takes a hell yeah. of a bump, like going down into that fake snow. And like knowing what we know that she's like seven or eight months pregnant at this point, I was like, maybe get a little bit of a softer cushion for the pregnant lady to fall. I'm on. sure it's well cushioned. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they have fake snow. Like she went down harder yeah. than the tree, is all I'm saying. But still. It's a very sweet moment though. But they are so cute. Very sweet ending. Wish we could stay like this forever. <laughs> if we kept my dumb singing in from the other episode, we get to keep that. <laughs> That's fine. So how do we feel about this one, kids? I liked it. Yeah, it's solid. I uh, I don't gener- generally like episodes where characters behave out of character uh, for a full episode. That being said, though, I think with proper justification, which I feel like this has, like, you know, he definitely went through speaking about mark he went through um you know a lot of emotions in the last episode and it stands to reason that he might be a little bit shell-shocked and may act out of character in this episode and i think there's something to be said for like he leans into the heel turn a little bit like anthony edwards does like he really plays it up and hams up what a dick mark is this whole episode um that it it, it works it manages to work so yep a lot and, and so much to like in this episode outside of Mark too. I mean, like we we've said it time and time again throughout the episode. Like uh, Gloria Rubin's hitting on all cylinders. Laura Innes is doing some amazing stuff. We're even getting good stuff out of Al, um, and still managing to get you know a few laughs out of Carter. So all around, really yeah. solid stuff. If you want to point out, if you want to point to an episode as to to reinforce the opinion that you don't like Mark. I present to you <laughs> season three, episode nine. And I know there's a few more of these to come, especially after he has his, um, his incident l- later this season. I, I, yeah. But I feel like this is, I feel like this is his most egregious. I feel like this is his most not cause those are more, those, I feel like those are more like self-destructive. Yeah. This is, this is where earned he, after a trauma right, here. He is wrong. Like he's not just yeah, being an here's, asshole. He's wrong. Yeah. Here he is taking other people down with him. As opposed to just harming himself. So, God damn it, Mark. You're better than this. I know you are. But I will say, though, uh, what is this, nine nine episodes in? We still haven't had we still yeah. haven't had a bad episode this season. Like, we're, we're nine no. for nine on at least solid. So I have no complaints with this episode whatsoever. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. All right, well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. This show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. For only a dollar a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. And for only $5 a month, you can get access to the full season recap episodes, a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Cherry, and two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews. Also, once our stretch goals are met, you'll get access to a monthly bonus show called The Lounge, where we'll talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives and pop culture in that moment, as well as monthly movie commentaries where we watch and talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member. We'd also greatly appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at SetTheToneER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Saying the Tone podcast. You can also check out the official Saying the Tone community uh, member group if you'd like to. Um, and we are at Saying the Tone podcast on Instagram. 
Our theme music today is provided to us by Andrew Edwards of Blue Police Box Music. And Daniel, where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is Y-O-U dot E-L. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. All right. And Laura, where can folks find you at? You can find me being a holiday hermit on my Instagram at Lobo92345. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at RandomGamer, that's J-A-M-3-R, as well as on the Popular Quartz YouTube channel doing a Let's Play of Titanfall 2 with new episodes of that coming out every Friday. You can find those videos and more at YouTube.com slash Court. Thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week. Mm-hmm.